0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Lorp. This is going to be episode 225 with all-around artist, creative mastermind, just an all-around awesome creative person, Glenn Dillon. Um, I've come into contact with Glenn's work through my love of Star Wars. I f- would find this his work constantly through the art of books and I was always really just infatuated with his ability to to really find the core essence of Star Wars and like build into it and create new things. But that felt like they were very much a part of the world and it's a very difficult thing. And uh, I always wanted to have him on the show. It's um, it's difficult because Glenn's very bu- busy and he's got a lot of things going on, but so excited to have him on. And uh, this episode's really great. Um, a lot of amazing things are discussed in this one. So I really hope you all enjoy it. I'm not even going to talk about the synopsis of it. Just go and listen to it. Have a good time and enjoy the experience. So here we go, everybody. Episode 225. Let's roll. I, so I think I mentioned earlier, I came upon your work and when I was looking through the art of Rogue One and I kept seeing this art in there. I was like, this is a, I'm seeing a consistent pattern here. These are really cool. And there was this like a unique sense to your work. I feel it's probably, and this is something I imagine you can attest to. It's, it's incredibly challenging to find a new space of real estate inside of star Wars um, design wise. And um, just so that it fits in there, but it also isn't overstepping like the Ralph McQuarrie, Joe Johnson kind of lines. Is this something that you discovered as you were working on rogue one? Um,
1: no, I think, I guess, um, the first star Wars film I worked on was force awakens. So, um, there was a year or so, however long the production was and pre-production. Maybe it was more than the year, year and a half, maybe. Oh, of working with Michael Kaplan um, the costume designer who did Blade Runner. and um, <clears throat> So, uh, but Star Wars is just, and I'm sure you're the same and lots of people our age are the Well, I think you're younger than me, but anyway, it's yeah. kind of, it's in, you know, what I mean, it's in a, it's in our blood. It's in a, I mean, I saw it when I was six, the original one, and, uh, I mean, it just, I remember how much it blew my little mind. It, um, not that I was, you know, a worldly wise six-year-old, but I, the things that I liked when I was that age was science fiction-y stuff and comics and what have you. But this was just something so new. Um, you know, my brother, before I saw the film, my brother... Um, came home. He'd left home. He was—he was he was 9 years older than me. So he—he—he just left home, and occasionally he'd come back and visit. And one time he brought me um, the paperback of the Star Wars book. Um, and this—he'd only just seen the film, and so he bought that paperback and gave it to me. And it was the, the when the paperbacks used to have those uh, photos, like a, you know, maybe ten pages of color photos in the middle of the of the middle of the book. And he was, he was excitedly telling me about this film and he gave me this book and I just had the pictures to stare at and I just would stare at them at night, you know, in bed, my little light on just, what is that? You know, and there was the, I can still see them now. There's the classic shot of the X-Wing being chased by the TIE fighter. Mm. There was, um, uh, the stormtrooper sitting on the, uh, on the dewback. And, um, I was just like, "What is that? What is this? Is that a robot? Is it a... You know, it was just really fired my imagination." And then, of course, when I went and saw it, you know, it completely, <laughs> completely blew my head off. <laughs> and um, and um, it was like I was that kind of age where, when your kids at school invited you to their birthday parties, it was often going to the cinema. So I went and saw it about six times at the cinema and um you know back in those days it, it, it was a long time before it came out on. well we didn't have vhs or anything then so it was just it, it, we got into the trading cards you know the little trading cards that the bubblegum cards i could get them on the way to school <coughs> excuse me and uh we'd all swap them with each other and and we'd buy as many magazines about it or any kind of imagery you could get on it um Cause that was all we had. We didn't have, we didn't like the kids these days. <laughs> it was rare. Anything, anything to do with it was quite rare. So, um, yeah. So uh, it was the, it was the perfect job. Really. Uh, um, I mean, I uh, it's just like I'd, I'd done a book, so I'd done a, I'd spent a long time on a, a graphic novel and at the end of that, we'd become so poor because I'd spent all this time on this book that um, I need, we needed to earn some money fast. So um, I got in contact with some of my old buddies that were still in the film industry and said, put my name around. And um, I managed to get a job on um, Jupiter Ascending, the, uh, Wachowski's
0: film, yeah.
1: yeah. And um, <clears throat> and that was in the costume department for um, Kim Barrett. So I did about three months on that, I think. And it was just lucky because one of the guys in the workshop who's, um, he did the screen printing and stuff, for, he was American. And he went, when he went back to America, when it was all over, he knew Michael Kaplan. And when Michael was coming over to do Star Wars, he happened to bump into this guy and he said, do you know anyone in England who might be good as a, a concept guy? And it, it was just lucky he said my name because because I literally hadn't been in the film industry for such a long time. I did it I, I was in it in the kind of mid-90s and then I kind of stopped and, and was doing just more commercial stuff. So when everyone was when everyone was saying Star Wars is coming to England again, they're going to shoot new Star Wars, hmm. everyone in the industry wanted to work on it, obviously. Yeah, um, And me too. But I was just like, there's no chance because I'll literally just come back in. There's all these other people here that, you know, they'll have all the right contacts and I, I won't. And I just was kind of, uh, re- you know, resigning to myself to the fact that it won't be me this time and never mind and but if I managed to get someone's details, I will email them to try and, you know, just to see. And and then I was in France, in Paris, um, because I'd, I'd gone there for, a, I'd been invited there for my book, been translated in French, and there was some festival. So I was having a lovely time being looked after. We were on a, a boat on the River Seine, sailing down past the Eiffel Tower. And I get this email come in and it's from Dave Crossman um, saying, do you want to come in for the Star Wars interview? (laughs) just like, (laughs) so that was just like, yeah, it was just such a magic day that I'll always remember. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've wanged on a bit much about it, but it's that's everyone's had their story. Everyone had their story. Uh, When when we started filming, you realize that all these other uh, guys and women who have been employed, they've all got the same kind of story of, of, you know, when they got the call or the email or whatever. And it's just funny, the first few meetings, you could tell there's all these, you know, they're adults, all these adults in the room. And they're all kind of pretending to be cool and just uh, focused on the job. But you could tell that everyone inside was, you know, doing little yelps of excitement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah, it's a it's such a special thing. It's really awesome to consider how long that alignment took to get there, but the beauty of that too, and how cool it is and serendipitous that must have felt like too, which is so great. Um Yeah. Yeah. Having kind of sounds like being in a place where you're ready for something like that to happen. And, but at the same time being humbled by the idea that it won't. So you're just kind of not putting too much emphasis into it, but that is just the coolest thing when it actually yeah. works out, you know, and to be a part about of, of something that was such a legacy um, an important part to your, I imagine to your childhood too, which is so cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, my, I like say, I said, I love the first film, obviously. The second film, uh, obviously is uh, like, um, most people's favorite, you know. I mean,
0: yeah,
1: Yoda, Boba Fett, all that. Uh, I Am Your Father, you know. Spoiler. <laughs>
0: hey, spoiler <laughs> uh, alert, spoiler alert. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, um, and then my brother took me and my sister to see, um, Um, like two weeks before it came out on general release, he took, he took us to see the triple bill uh, with the return of the Jedi at the end, Mm -hmm. um, which was just, so I was probably uh, 12, 13, 14, maybe I can't remember how old I would have been for that, but it was, you know, getting to stay up late in London with my brother. uh, That was just very cool too. So it, it, there were markers in my childhood that were just like yeah they were really important and so to be a part of it was yeah was definitely like a big deal yeah,
0: yeah. super special that's so yeah. cool and also the fact that like just as a a big fan of star wars myself i'm a very big fan of uh, the of star wars in uh, you know, a total it's like seeing your work um amongst the rest of everybody there's a there's a certain breath or a flavor I don't know how to explain it that I felt that you brought and I, I have a couple guesses as to um, how that came to be and one of them is um, the possibility of that obviously this comes from a deep place of like love and appreciation um, but at the same time your ability to have an imagination and to understand the form languages and the ratios um, yeah. Is because I'm sure that's something that you probably had inside, but then you, as you went through the process, discovering it too. I remember listening to Gareth talk about the ratios and trying to find the right ratios with like creating something new in Star Wars and um, how challenging that can be. Um, And seeing it's something about your work that feels like you're right there with Ralph. Um, working along in the beginning, which is so essential for me as as a fan of this, it's so cool. I really love it. And when I make my own Star Wars stuff, I'm constantly trying to imagine um, what it would feel like working along with Ralph and Joe and the rest of the crew, and, like etching out a piece of sci-fi history. You know, <laughs> with well, each piece. I think, yeah. I think
1: where it really worked well in <clears throat> on Rogue One was the fact that Dave. Crossman, um, he's a military expert, which was exactly the same as John Mollo, mm. and and the John M- and the Mollo family—they're all these kind of military experts. And to me, you know, that's that was a, a massive part of the original Star Wars. That was was the knowledge of the uniforms and uh, and all the kind of packs and things that they used, uh, and. That feel, it, it all it all kind of, that's what helped it feel so real, you know, which one of the things I love about, I loved about the Star Wars films, was everything felt so real. It didn't feel, the costumes didn't really feel like costume, you know, do you know what I mean? They didn't yeah, feel
0: costly. There's um, a patina to it. There's a lived in story. Everything felt, feels lived in. I think that comes from the top down. George wanted a lived in universe, you know, so yeah. Um, it's like the first line when Luke comes out to see the Millennium Falcon and us in the audience is like wow it's amazing and then he was like what a piece of junk you know it's like yeah. things like that which are really funny but I think that comes in my I don't know George or anything but I've studied this so much <laughs> might as well be in my own religion but um, I think growing up and, and, and being into hot rods as he was and, and all that kind of stuff I think a lot of that came from an a, like a close place of of you know the appreciation for vehicles and 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 all that kind of stuff um i always said that if you took american graffiti and thx 1131 and then put in some kurosawa and put in space and you have uh you have star wars which is cool it's it's a nice amalgamation and it's a perfect formula that i don't think anybody was really able to see before it happened really i think obviously sci-fi existed before star wars of course but the amalgamation and the accessibility of it, I think was, was really the thing that really triggered the rest I of think us. That's, that's one of the things that always like, got me as a kid, like before
1: I saw the film, I think I'd seen products or, or I'd seen the millennium Falcon before I saw the film. Mm. And I presumed that it flew the other way,
0: <laughs>
1: like the front. So it was like a, like a uh, teardrop, you know, the mandibles at the back, because I felt because that seemed like a sci-fi, more of a sci-fi thing to do, and then when I saw the film, it was the other way. That kind of blew my mind. It felt like <laughs> that kind of thing that they were doing something that wasn't typical. You know, it already wasn't a shiny ship. It looked like a tractor. You know, it looked like um, it looked like hunger junk. It, it apart from that lovely blue light at the at the back. So I just loved the fact that it turned. My expectations on their head. Same with the stormtroopers. It's like, so the bad guys are all kind of shiny and white. You know, that, I mean, I know Darth Vader's black, but the, his soldiers being all white and shiny, that was just another thing that just seemed to tip the, the typical idea of what a bad, what, of what the bad guys would be on its head.
0: Yeah. It's psychologically what it does is it creates a memory inside your mind because your mind is trying to find attachments and associations and when it can not yeah. it creates a new memory and it's it's pretty cool it's like i think a lot of things that i'm not sure if they were all aware of what they were doing but um i mean i've read so much stuff on it um but i think a lot of it just came down to serendipitous and having somebody that really knew the right talent and worked with them and yeah, Do you, can you remember the first task that you were signed with, like when you were working on a Force Awakens, and then when you then shifted off over to um, Rogue One?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, on my very first day, I remember it very well because <laughs> it was
0: like
1: it was meeting Michael again, which was nice because I was obviously a big fan of Blade Runner. Yeah, um, and um, could you not be <laughs> exactly? Uh, and you know, he said, "Well." What do you want to do? I was like, uh, (laughs) stormtroopers? He's like, okay, then. So I just spent the first day drawing up some stormtrooper stuff, you know. And and it was redesign,
0: right?
1: Yeah. And it's just because it was just like the idea that I was being paid to sit there and draw stormtroopers, (laughs) you know, was just uh, absurd. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: And it was, um, yeah, and it continued, you know, it continued in many ways like that, you know, um, over time. So, but doing, but um, working with Michael, uh, <clears throat> I get, I mean, the thing with, with he got to, the, it quite quickly, he got to a point where he could trust me. I think he could see how enthusiastic I was. Um and Michael's really a Star Trek guy, you know he's a different generation, so he there was some you know he, had, he I don't think he'd even seen the Star Wars film in the cinema, you know because he was of different age you know when it came out, so he was kind of relying on me and Dave for a lot of you know Star Wars information and mm. uh, um, <clears throat> but um you know obviously I learned a lot uh working with michael and um, it was really really a great experience um but but i was sat with michael and dave we uh, were all in the same room so I, I saw everything that was going on um what michael would be doing you know what his job entailed and people bringing in fabric samples and and um uh, paint samples or whatever and I was really kind of uh looking and thinking, I really w <laughs> I really would like to be in his position. Especially once costumes started being made. Because it would it would go from my desk to his desk. And obviously we'd be talking about it and would have he was very kind and he would um include me in the meetings with JJ. So that was really nice for me. He didn't have to do that. So once but once something was then being made, I was kind of not um, required anymore. I'd be on to designing the next thing. And then sometimes I can help it. But when things came back, it would be like, Oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have chosen that fabric or I wouldn't have done it exactly like that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I just, That's tricky, I right? think, it's tricky. it's tricky. Of course yeah. it is.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but actually with the, with the workshop guys, the people who are doing the stormtroopers because um I think it wouldn't I don't think he'd mind me saying he wasn't as interested in the hard stuff as he was the fabrics and stuff, so I would often go and uh talk with the guys in the workshop and um especially the guy um Sam Williams, who worked on Zbrush and he's done all of the Star Wars movies um, so I'd sit with him while he's doing the stormtrooper stuff and um you know, he was very, again, very generous. He wouldn't mind me sitting there, kind of saying, "Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you make mm. that longer?"
0: That's awesome. Uh,
1: and so I, you know, I was kind of—I felt like I was one of the team in the workshop, m- much more so. But I didn't know much about the the workshops where the uh, all the cutters and the and the great women who do all of the work on the sewing machines and what have you. Um. But I still, you know, when I, obviously I, he did some great stuff that I really liked, but there was some, I couldn't help but think, oh, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wish he'd done that, I wish he'd done that. So when we heard that there was a possibility that there was going to be a spin-off film, you know, rumours started about that there would be a some kind of a spin-off um, production. I said to Dave Crossman, Dave Crossman was the supervisor, costume supervisor. Um, maybe we could, um, maybe we could throw our hat into the ring on that and see. Because the idea was it was supposed to be cheaper than the main, the main trilogy films. Um, as it was, I don't think it turned out that way. But <laughs> um, so he, yeah, he was he he was into it, and we. Um, uh, he talked to Simon Emanuel, one of the producers. And Simon said, well, yeah, if if, um, when Gareth comes to have a look around, if you guys meet him and he's, uh, and he likes you, then why not? And then luckily, we were still in production on on The Force Awakens when Gareth came for his visit. And, you know, that's a very good position to be in, really, because we're, we're literally there. There's the concept room with all the designs up on the wall. Mm-hmm. And then we take him to show him around the workshop where the stormtroopers are being made. So he could see us in situ, you know. Um, I think that, you know, that was in our favor somewhat. <laughs> so, um, And he was a British guy, kind of a little bit younger than me, but pretty much the same age. Same sense of humor. So we all kind of got on really well pretty much off the bat. And so, um, yeah, not long, not long after that, we got the nod. So that was really exciting because for me, it meant going, the fact that it was going to be shot when we found out it was going to be leading right into a, a new hope that, you know,
0: yes.
1: um, <laughs> it meant, it meant that, you know, it was, I'm going back to play in my, in the, in the sandbox of my childhood kind of thing. Um, literally, in every way and 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 to try and do new stuff in that universe that would feel like it should have it could have been in those original films, yet it'd be something that you haven't seen before. that was really exciting, yeah, to try and embody you know Ralph and Joe and John Malo and everyone to truly really try and get in there, and like you say, it is about knowing those forms and the language. And uh, down you know, the little greeblies and everything. Just, I would love, I'd, um, there was a, Ian Jones is our guy. He's the kind of prop maker for the costume department. So he does loads of leather work, he does holsters and he would do greeblies and things like that. And he was just in the room next to us. So I'd, I'd go and stand and he had a great, he had lots of boxes from this shop called Bob's Bits. <laughs> <laughs> which had which was basically loads of mechanical broken bits and pieces and funny little widgets and and we had a whole ton of stuff from there, and we'd just stand around and kind of make little you know like gins light that she wears on the side of her helmet when she's on edu, but I'd put that together you know out of the little bits from bob's bits and and the same with their the grieblers that they wear on their chest you know, I put them together and just having that kind of hands on down to those last fine details. That was exactly what I wanted, you know, complete control free.
0: Yeah. <laughs> which is good as a designer. That's the perfect situation, right? Like where you really get to express yourself and have complete control. Um, it's kind of why we do what we do. I imagine, you know, um, I, like I'm such a, I, I'm sure you're the same way as like for most people, they would look at a line and you go like, yeah. And then when you're really having attention inside your mind's eye and you have all this weight of your past influencing it, it's like every line has to be exactly the right yeah, ratio. How you want it? Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, um, I'm, I'm in the middle of making a pretty crazy stuff. Uh, I don't know if you call it a fan film i guess it is fan i don't want people to think of it like that but we're building all of these ships and weapons i've and seen the things. poster
1: for it it looks really good
0: uh thank you so much i um yes. i'm really excited i think you might enjoy it uh because a lot of what you've done with rogue one is a big inspiration for me and the team and i've showed your work quite a bit to everybody too so they're quite familiar with you as well but I think that you understand the ratio when Ralph was drawing and Joe was drawing, you could see in all the art, there's this ratio that kind of, it's very finite. It's a very fine line. Um, But then when it, you know, it's star Wars and then it pushes the line past it, but you know, it's like right on there. Um, And that's such a, it's such an important ratio really. And when you have the ability to kind of control all that, I can't imagine that must have been such a cool experience. I'm so happy for you because that's that's I think any Star Wars fan that's an artist is like that's pretty much the <laughs> the, the pinnacle. Adorable. Yeah, it's yeah. a pinnacle of experience, really. So, which is so cool. I imagine there's probably a ton of um, unique and special moments. Is there um, a particular memory that comes to mind where you're just like, Oh, "I can't believe this is happening"? Like. I'm sure the whole right. time, but <laughs> you know what definitely. I mean. So. Yeah,
1: definitely. When we um we first did a fitting of Darth Vader. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because the funny thing is, you've got this massive guy there. He's huge, uh, stuntman, and um, right up until he's got you know he's got the suit. He's got the um the the leather suit on. Uh, and he's got the he's putting the boots on and you're chatting away and it's quite a fun atmosphere because we're recreating something so it's not it's not like we're having to design it we, we all know what we're doing it's just got to look exactly like Darth Vader and um but the pressure's not on in, in as much as designing something new, so it's it was it's enjoyable and it's fun and then um and then right up and then when he when we put the helmet on him it just—it was like I had one of those weird zoom moments where you kind of <laughs> you go back to being eight years old, kind of thing. And um, I couldn't—I couldn't, uh, couldn't see—I couldn't see the reality of it in front of me. I could just see Darth Vader. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it was like it was like because he's very imposing and yes. tall and he's got the mask and he's right there and it's completely kind of screen accurate so there's just this feeling of fuck it's Darth Vader. <laughs> and then we had yeah. to kind of snap out of it and just kind of get back into the mode of like we're doing a fitting so <laughs> yeah. have to kind of get back and like seeing where it where it's not quite right but i think there's something it's like you, because it's like probably the most iconic Uh, villain in cinema history for a while you just didn't see it you just saw the icon you you weren't seeing what was in front of you Hmm. Uh, does that make sense yeah
0: (laughs) yeah and i (laughs) i I I see what you're saying yeah i mean i i I can't experience i don't know what that experience must have been like but yeah (laughs) yeah i can i can only imagine it's almost like you're breaking the barrier of your own reality i suppose
1: yes it's like it was just fuzzy in a way it's it's kind of a fuzziness (laughs) of like oh it's Darth Vader but it was, it was like I wasn't really in the room with the the, the in an adult way mm, sure <laughs> I'd, been, I'd been uh I'd been sent back in time I guess
0: oh that's so cool I mean it's got to be the thing that I think is probably something to consider too that we probably don't understand or most of us is that that is your job and so it's important to remember to be a professional, but at the same time, yeah. so you're, <laughs> you're fighting these two worlds of, okay, I have to be an adult and I have to, you know, be professional here, but I'm also like looking right at Darth Vader. Like, ah, you know, yeah. um, I can't imagine how, um, how, how special that must've been. I remember yeah. listening to the behind the scenes and Gareth t- talking about everybody wants more Vader. And when Vader comes on, it's like, you know, you better be ready for it. and and, power that he yields inside of his film and how important it was to have like him utilized properly you know which is so cool and so true so yeah yeah that end sequence was good so good i mean that's the first time we really got to see um it's i think um directing myself and directing action is so difficult And you have to be—you have to know all your beats really incredibly well, and that means every detail needs to be covered, from focal length to just composition and how things play, and be ready for multiple takes. But that whole sequence plays incredibly well, um, and it builds up really well. I remember sitting in the theater. Oddly enough, Rogue One didn't hit me as hard as I was hoping for in the theater. I don't know what was on my—I was probably overworked or something. But I eventually become came to love it uh after watching it like 40 times (laughs) Uh, and and every time i watched it i was like i started to kind of my um my wall because as a star wars fan it was like new hope and empire my favorites and i was like nothing else and jedi obviously has some moments but for me personally it was like these are the films that i really love me and, and I put the wall up, you know. I was like, and because the Jar Jar Binks and all that stuff happened, I was like, no more, you know. And then, <laughs> and then when everything else started changing, I was like, no. But then uh, I was all, I had the wall up when Rogue One came in. But then every time I watch it, I go, wow, look at all the love in here. And there's so much love. Like, yeah. And that's definitely. one thing that's beautiful about this franchise. And uh, it's something to be thankful for a company like Disney being able to afford to buy it from George is to that they're breathing more life, new life into it, which is, um, I heard this really good analogy on another podcast, which is this person loves like the bond, um, franchise, the trilogies and all that stuff. I don't think they have trilogies, but and she said like the thing with these franchises is they have really great ones and then really bad ones. And I think the yeah. same is for Batman. And, um, the great thing is they're just continually being made so you can kind of pick and choose. Um, yeah. And that's the great thing is that the art is being, done and it's shown and stuff and I think with um it's it's with Star Wars for me it's like a perfect amalgamation of story um new ideas old ideas told new I guess and then like this perfect combination of whimsy telling a simple story but telling it in a new complex way which is usually the rhythm and if you don't get the like one part of that right it's like oh man you know but um yeah when it does work it works really well and so I I I, I really enjoy Rogue One. I consider it to be probably my top three or uh, films. So I don't know if that's a that's a oh, that's good. A, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. And okay. you're and you're a big part of that too. <laughs> like you know, creating and helping build that world. So I imagine it must have been interesting. So on on Rogue One, it looks like you did because you went from Force Awakens to Rogue One, right? Naturally, yeah. you kind of um, went from that production to the next, and then you and Gareth kind of hit it off. It sound like. He yeah, seems like so, a really approachable, awesome guy too. So yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, I I still have contact with him. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. Um. um yes, I didn't work on the Last Jedi because um, we were. That was when we were doing the reshoots, but Dave um, was the supervisor on on that. So there was a time. So for me, it was kind of a, It was the kind of pre-pre production on Solo. So while we were doing Rogue One, the same thing happened. Um, Phil and Chris came round and um, came and met us and got to look through the look at the workshops and what have you. Again, look at the concept room and and um, they were pleased enough with what they saw that, that you know they were happy for us to 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 go on t- to their film. Um, so I yeah I missed out on the Last Jedi.
0: I think. Um... That's probably one of my personally. That's one of my least favorites of the lot. But I, I yeah. really I enjoyed the last one that came out. Did, did you get a chance to work on that one, the rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, so yeah. Um, as we were wrapping up on Solo, I think I had um, a little bit of time off. <laughs> uh, I think I think we came in and did some small reshoots on that in the. It was in the January time. I think. And then we kicked off on and, and Michael came back and we were on Riser Skywalker for yeah, just over a year, I think.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. 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 It's cool. And because... it was quite
1: nice. It was quite nice to come back at that point as, as a concept artist because um uh, I mean I loved doing solo. Um Visually was beautiful film. There was more costumes in that than on Rogue One. There was a more variety of costumes. There was like, there was. I don't think there was any uniforms in it at all. So there was no way of doing mass producing, like repeat things. Mm. So each character was had to be designed. So there's a lot of work. But, and then also uh, when we were shooting, my brother died in that mm, time sorry. frame as well. So that, it kind of made it a tough experience you know i didn't take off i took off about like five days oh, when my brother died just to come to new york because he died in new york mm. and but then after like i flew back on the sunday and i was at work, work again on the monday because we were just at that stage in filming where there was so much to do um because obviously I, a lot of people don't realize this that i think they think that all the costumes will be made before the film starts and
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but nope. never
1: it's never ever like that it's uh um it the, you know we're working all the way through basically to you know making costumes almost right up to the end of the shoot yeah. and um and it was very much the case with with solo um the beautiful so costumes yeah, in that film too just gorgeous thank you, uh, thank you.
0: like again yeah, I've, that's the it's as a fan of this and watching it and using it as inspiration for me personally when i create it's 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 amazing that you guys got the recipe right. Cause visually that film was just like, Oh, it was so gorgeous. And uh, Bradford, I think was the DOP. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, uh, people complained about it being dark um, exposure wise, but I, I adore that. I, I just loved it. I couldn't get enough. I watched that film quite a bit. Um, just visually, I watch it and like really just kind of take it in. Um, yeah. Got like a really high, high res version of both of those films and constantly got them in loop just kind of studying them so you guys i
1: had high hopes for i thought i thought um i thought oh yeah i thought um alden was really good and i um and a lot of the characters were really good and it just i think you know maybe it came out a bit too close to the last jedi um i don't know it it didn't quite take off but i really enjoyed it and my kids the thing is I kind of judge them by my kids'
0: Smart. reaction as well. Yeah, you're because... too jaded to have that perspective, especially if you worked exactly. on it too. So
1: yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard when you there's the excitement of the premiere, which is nice, but you're often sat in that, sat in that, going, "Oh my god, you know, why didn't we do? You know, this it's, it's too nerve wracking in a way." The premiere, the second one, I normally try and go to with my kids, to, you know, the next day, yeah, and that's the one. That's the one that it's like I'm relaxed enough now. I've seen everything and now i can see it watch it through their eyes and their reaction you know they loved solo they saw that one more than any of the others so there we go
0: then yeah yeah i mean that's the that's the trick too and it's um i think with star wars too there's a weird thing with fans in general that people are just i think that the fans at large um feel that they actually own own star wars <laughs> you know um even yeah. though um there's no such thing. It's just that you're a fan of it. And, um, but there, there is, uh, an essence of really appreciating it. And, um, I've just learned to not take things personal with it. And it's just the yeah. beauty of it is that, there's so much of it being created, whether you like it or not. Like the Mandalorian is a perfect example. It was weird for me to watch it. Cause I was like, Oh man, well, that's weird. And this is weird. And why is that? Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm super judgmental. And the best of ways like, cause I really love it and I admire everybody that works on these films, but I'm also like, Oh, maybe try that. Or would that this, cause it's the designer, I guess I'm not sure yeah. if you're the same way, but it's out of love too. It's not like no, it's, that. I well, think that's why better, I can, um...
1: so. I think that's why I can understand those fans. It's like because the reason why people might say that the, the Star Wars fans, particularly, have that kind of they love hate thing. It's because you love the original so much that if it's not, if it doesn't feel that right that way, if the new ones don't feel the same way, then it's not right. And I can I can feel that. I understand that feeling. So obviously being able to get to to do something where I feel like this is how I feel it should be. And I'm very privileged, you know, um, but I could understand the frustration (laughs) of fans that that think, no, they got it wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's, it was also really interesting because of like films like, um, uh the one after force awakens where people were it was such a polar opposite thing where people were like no this is weird and but then yeah. some people were like the new generation of fans were like this is really cool yeah it subverts our expectations and all these kind of things so it's 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 a really the the the, the whole concept of filmmaking and just films in general is is it's crazy that they even get made and it's even more amazing when they're actually good <laughs> because as you know and i know where are having worked on films it's 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 really i think james cameron said it perfectly it's 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 basically um it's it's lightning in a bottle really you know if you think about it it's it's insane that it actually even works and that things actually a bit get made but and and that's the the irony of it too um i'm I'm sure Were you did you get a chance to be on uh, many of the live sets as things were happening
1: yeah Uh, yeah i was really lucky um well especially on rogue one and solo definitely and um, we're out in Fuerteventura for the whole for the severine stuff and uh, um yeah it's um it was great i remember being on the on the force awakens the set where um, kylo and rey are fighting in the forest that was like that was um that was all on cue stage. It was like, but it looked, when you're in there, it looked like a, a real forest. <laughs> they had all these real trees hanging from the ceiling and um it was huge and the snow everywhere. Uh, amazing. I, I really, there, was, there wasn't, you know, very many green screens on the films that I worked on. I think there were more with The Last Jedi because I think they had more... They had uh, like more um, scenes. They had more different planets and what have you. So yeah. they they had they had all of the stages at some point, I think, and, and more. And so I don't think they could all be built. So some there was more green screen on that one, as far as I know, than there were on the others.
0: Yeah, they're all massive productions. I know Gareth likes to shoot three sixty because he's kind of comes from that documentarian style of like, let me point over here let me point over there and the irony is that his crew is wearing costumes and stuff too so (laughs) yeah that's pretty cool um and and that's that's the beauty of of a production accommodating to a director's kind of workflow and style too which is awesome so um yeah because it's it's so many things
1: yeah Jeddah was fun yeah that that was a you know small very star wars feeling city you know And with the tank, I love, you know, the tank coming out. That That was one of my favorite troopers. I love the
0: tank troopers. What do you call those guys? I'm sure they have a name, right? I
1: call them tank troopers, but I don't know what that
0: is.
1: (laughs) Maybe they're called tank commanders, I think. I can't remember. But, um,
0: yeah. Yeah, The one manning the tanks, right? Because there's normal stormtroopers or, well, updated versions of stormtroopers, I think, nearby. But then the ones manning them, they have these interesting kind of like, yeah yeah you just <laughs> I love it I really love your work you took you. the feeling of what I loved about the sketches and drawings of the past and and one of my theories and this is one thing I was really excited about talking with you about is you're obviously an incredibly well um, disciplined drafts person artist you know first and foremost and so I think that has to play a lot into your abilities to pull something out of the ether a la your experience or taste and then produce it to the world like myself and fans um through like guys like sam williams and stuff obviously but you it looks like you draw a lot right you're constantly yes. like you're constantly in in the world of sketching and drawing um I imagine- well, yeah, going,
1: going back before the star wars films sorry to interrupt That's um, okay. um I did like 15 years of storyboarding for like commercials. Oh, okay. Um, 15 years. Because you hear that everybody? Yeah. <laughs> 15 years. <Yeah>. 15 years. <laughs> um, because, and then before that I did about seven years of drawing comics. Um, and all the time I was doing, uh, the storyboarding for commercials, I was always trying to get other projects off the ground. Um, but it's that kind of the, the, the drawing for the storyboarding for commercials. That was like, boot camp. It was just you had to be, you had to sit in front, you'd have to go to like production offices. And you'd sit with the director, maybe the producer would be around making coffee or whatever. And they'd say, well, I want a guy running down the street and then a, a, an E-type Jaguar kind of he's going to pull up, he's going to jump in and someone's going to hold a gun to his head. And I'd have to draw that, you know, that morning. And, you know, I started out before the days of like having the internet. So it would just thought you'd have to just produce that stuff uh, on the spot. And you just that that kind of training, having done comics before, I think I was never quite comfortable with my style, especially compared to my brother, my brother was such a huge talent mm. um, in the world of comics. And I never felt that comfortable at that age. And I you know, part of it, I just was, I'd like to get into movies, do something different. So I'm not being, comparing myself to my brother. Hmm. Um, but doing, doing all those years drawing by the end of that, I felt really confident in, and I felt like i by accident kind of had a style without, you know, which should, which should just become me because I wasn't the great thing about it was it removed any ego because what I was drawing wasn't the final um, final uh, product. It wasn't the final product. Yeah. It was just a way of communicating for the director and the crew and everyone to see, and clients to see what was going to happen. So I, I was never precious about it. So I was just drawing and drawing and drawing and not getting uptight about my drawing. And that was the, you know, when I look back on it now, that was the, the best thing that could have happened because when I was younger, I was all uptight, you know, I was way too uptight about my line and not knowing, you know, just not, ha- you know, not sure what influences to bring in. And, and I had just, I wasn't old enough to be myself, I guess. Or well, I didn't find myself at that point. So having finished all of that, the, the storyboarding years, and then feeling like I could do maybe do a, a, a graphic novel, I, I, I just felt more comfortable in that. I think I could do it now. I could definitely do it. I could sit on my own and do it
0: now. Hmm. And discovering that style as you went. Hmm. Yeah, it just felt like, well, that's it's
1: just how I draw. It didn't feel like a, a style that I'd um,
0: kind of concocted.
1: It was just like, oh, this is just how I draw.
0: Yeah. And that's just years and years of just kind of facing the page right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just because isn't that weird as you develop yep. your style you're constantly kind of unlearning your influences you know yeah <laughs> that's exactly. such a difficult thing to do um because what's what the world tells you is right is like hey da vinci he drew like this and this is what a portrait is and this is what an artist is and so on and so forth and then you have to break that from within and have your own inner strength to kind of I remember something I learned from uh, Mignola, the comic book illustrator, the guy that created Uh, Hellboy, obviously. I'm sure you're very aware of him. Um, but I remember him, he gave me a lot of inspiration because when he, he kind of explained it is he said he was being lazy, but I don't think so. But he was saying that when he was starting out, there was guys like Jim Lee and all these guys that had this incredible detail work and beautiful line draftsmanship and, and he didn't want to draw the buildings, So he just learned how to like make a couple windows yeah. and then graphically hide the buildings, you know, and yeah. his style came from his inability or undesire to kind of all these things in and ironically his style is actually for me is more appealing because he became more of a graphic artist almost um yeah. and he was kind of painting in the things that you should see and hiding the rest that you shouldn't so he distills he's a very good distiller artist but his style came from his honesty towards himself this is something that i discovered when i was discovering my style because i was like oh i really love uh, Otomo's work and i love Uh, Jean Giraud's work and of course these giants you know these amazing people then you have to unlearn your love of them (laughs) because you can't be them it's yeah I I imagine you probably have gone through that so many times Um, but there's a beautiful part when you just kind of go I'm just going to exist um, and become my own influence Um, and then you influence me so there you go (laughs) <laughs> and then I have to unlearn my love of your work too so. <laughs>
1: no it's, it's um it's something that I feel it came late to me some people like um my friend Jamie Hewlett it fe- I felt that he 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 came off the blocks from a young age you know firing on all cylinders uh and he kind of very quickly found his own way in his own style um and I you know I, I was very good friends with him and Alan, who used to write Tank Girl. And we all lived down in Worthing by the sea. And um, I was about three years younger than all of them. And I guess I'd always like to, um, I like to surround myself with people who I I think are better than me. And that was, and that's definitely what all these guys, Philip Bond, Jamie Hewlett, Alan Martin, they were and, but I always, you know, I, what they could do, I couldn't do at that time. I felt I, I just can't, I can't get there.
0: What was it? Do you remember? Like what specifically? Well, just things like
1: that. There's, I don't know if you know about there's Deadline magazine that um, Tank Girl appeared in at first.
0: And I remember Tank Girl growing up. Uh, I love the art. It was so wild. There was a movie too. If I'm
1: Yeah, there was. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But we, but Deadline we, was we a magazine. Out. Deadline was a magazine that my brother actually started with another artist called Brett Ewens, mm. who was uh, And do you know the comic 2000 AD that used yeah, to have Judge Brett? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were both kind of artists from that generation of guys.
0: Yeah, I love that stuff.
1: And they were trying to start off this new magazine where the artists would have. It was very important for them because they felt they'd done a load of great work, but they they didn't own the copyright of any of it. So they wanted to start something that would that would be um all the artists would own there It would be creator owned stuff yeah and they and they happened upon um Jamie hewlett and philip bond um philip Bond uh did a strip called wild Wired world in it um and he's still in the comics industry now he, he works a lot on d c and those kind of comic books um but in in the deadline days they could both um, especially Philip because he wrote Andrew he could write a little 8 page story that was uh, you know often had funny elements to it but it might have a sci-fi element to it as well and they could do that within a month 8 eight pages beautiful artwork and a nifty little story and at that age I could you know I was doing okay with the artwork but I could never I, w- I wanted to be able to be able to do the whole package myself you know I wanted to be able to write a little eight page, you know, self contained story. But I never really kind of, I could never do it. It was just something that wasn't, it wasn't my thing. So I was always a little envious of uh, how they could do that. But then uh, I worked with Alan, who wrote Tank Girl, and we and we would do a a strip in it after my brother left, because my brother was wasn't into nepotism. So he was, he would he didn't want to employ me when he was in, he was the editor. Hmm. But once, once he left, um, hmm. another guy came in and he was happy to, for me to do some stuff on it. Um, but yeah, a
0: bit older than you. He's nine years older than me. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. that's a big, so, my, my brother's seven. I remember being a young kid and seeing my brother's art and being like, wow, crazy. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: So influential. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, he was a hero, anyway. And then he was like a hero who was drawing heroes, you know. He start, He did an incredible Hulk strip when he was sixteen, professionally, you know, uh, for the Hulk UK comic, yeah. um, you know. And it was really good. It was really good. If you if you find it online, it's really good.
0: What was your brother's name?
1: Steve Dillon. Okay.
0: Yeah. I probably it, seen his word more for famous.
1: It recently for the the preacher ah yes 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 got turned into a tv series mm.
0: yeah i mean, i've yeah I've, i haven't watched that show but i have never read the graphic novel but it always was something that um close friends of mine that were really into comics were like this is the one you need to you need to um, yeah. check this one out because it was so unique um, yeah
1: it's got that reputation it's a it's a it's a quite a, it's a pretty good read yeah
0: um yeah I'm sorry that um he's not here anymore it's a bummer but yeah me it sounds too. like he had to, did he get a chance to see your success blossom um yeah, a little
1: bit yes he saw, he saw my the graphic novel i did and he's and yeah he was yeah he saw he did he saw that i did rogue one and, hmm. and yeah,
0: is, yeah and he is obviously a fan of Star wars as well, so that must have been. Quite a quite a beautiful thing for the both of you to kind of share that. I imagine.
1: Yeah, I think yes. I mean, he that uh, that gift that I told you about at the beginning, where he gave me that book, he also gave me the com- the book um, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, and he gave me uh, like a, as well as the, book. <laughs> the the paperback of of the Star Wars. He also gave me like a blue ruler, um, with which had star wars may the force be with you and then on the other side there was all these stormtroopers kind of and uh yeah so in that kind of one present giving uh session he you know it felt like he set set up my entire career you know drawing comics and then working on star wars films. that's all i wanted to do once i got that stuff
0: yeah i mean of course that makes total sense too because it's that influence that you have are you at that age too, because if you're um if you're like me as a young age you're just for a channel a sponge to to absorb everything possible so yeah and uh, I, I was your the rest of your family artistic or at least yeah. supporting of it
1: yeah my dad um he was um a sign writer and a pictorial artist, so in the days when before plastic. Yeah. <laughs> plastic graphics took over he was um he was the guy standing up on a ladder with a mall stick and painting the shop sign or on, on vans and little, uh, you know trucks
0: um, the artist did it back then to earn a living with signs yeah because that was a common exactly. thing that my my family would do too so oh really yeah it's ironic because my mom would do signs and my grandma would do signs and stuff too cause oh that's cool we're so blessed um that we live in a society now where it's kind of like, um, can you imagine, um, maybe 30 years ago, kind of saying all the lists of jobs and opportunities and just things for artistic endeavors to? And as I, I remember being in college thinking like, Oh crap. Like either I can be a painter and starve and deal with that. Or I can maybe <laughs> do like illustrations for like magazines or something. It was just the window of opportunity was so small yeah yes it it blossomed really kind of exploded um really in the past decade i feel like past 15 years maybe it started to really open up and now it's just insane um there's so when
1: you were growing up you would have known about like um spacing let you know you would have yes and and like how letters are formed and stuff
0: yep yeah i learned i got really deep into it as i further got into design later on in my life but but uh, my heart is always, uh, I always wanted to be a comic book artist. Unfortunately, I think when I really came of age to do it, it was kind of like on its way out. Comics were kind of dying as a as an economical means, almost, in a sense, as you've yeah. experienced. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, because you a, sink everything you into change. them, and then that's it, you know. So, unfortunately. So, it's really interesting yeah. to see that comics have been translated now into a new form of media, which is motion pictures and then obviously it's going to change again once it gets into a more immersive VR kind of stuff later down the, down the road. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, the amount of opportunities that people have now, um, even to have these kind of conversations, I remember having to purchase the wizard magazines, remember those magazines?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And that was my way of getting like the gossip and the news on like what was going on in the art community that I was, I was interested in, you know? So and I'd just kind of scour over the pages and like read them over and over and over and just kind of absorb every piece of information. It was never yeah, enough. It's you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was it. But I would say that there's something uh special about that. And I think I'd go back to the story you were saying when you had the 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 four images of Star Wars. Um and what you were I, I'm 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 constantly thinking about it. Like, is there something that happens to your mind because you don't have access to that stuff that your mind kind of creates these new worlds. And then there's a beauty in that, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's something I've been heavily thinking about, like, hmm, how, how do you find, um, you know, new, new territory? I think new territory think comes from your imagination, obviously, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it was the fact that, and Star Wars was really good at this was just giving you a little bit of something, uh, you know the name of a character or you know the kessel run
0: yeah and (laughs)
1: and then and then it was just not talked about again and 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 that lived on you know in our minds as to and our imaginations as to what that might be and as much as i love you know solo and i do think that sometimes it would have been better to not go back and answer some of those things and and just to some, I think, some small things, but it, maybe it's sometimes it's good to, you know, to create new uh, mysteries.
0: Yeah, I'd say that's probably uh, one of the, the weaker parts of that that film is it was explaining things that I don't think we needed answers to, unfortunately.
1: I I, I understand the temptation to do it. Totally, because,
0: totally. Because that's what we've all
1: been doing since we heard of the Castle Run is imagining what it was. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I can, that, you can see how it happens, you know, that, 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 that it would happen. But, um, yeah, I, I do think that that's what Star Wars did very well, was, was just to spark, well, I can only speak for myself, but it sparked my imagination. Same. Yeah. Completely. And I think that's one of the things that makes it so popular.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's an involving art, I guess, too. is It's another thing I would say is, and that's why I think people have such um, strong emotions towards it, because they personally go into it psychologically, into these experiences and go like, well, the Kessel Run is like this in my head. Well, no, it's it's almost like um, Alien is one of my favorite films. It's yeah. uh, And I talk about it. People on this podcast probably get sick of me talking about it. But the reason why I talk, I bring it up it's a constant lesson for me is like when you don't show the monster, the monster is the scariest because it's everybody's yeah, personal cool. monster. Um, and then when you yeah. do show it, it's something like we've never seen before. And then, you know, you have geiger's mind and all that kind of great stuff and yeah. because it's almost like i don't know if you know the story behind predator i think they they didn't figure out the design of predator until i think it was like james and the director or the art production designer or it was uh i think it was uh stan was on the plane with them and he was like you should do a a mouth like this and he was saying like and, and he was like drawing it out because jim can draw as well and and then yeah. they kind of figured it out. But if you look back at the original Predator, um, the the designs of the monster, it looked like some kind of weird, silly, goofy like lizard running around in the woods. <laughs> um, it's really comical, actually. But it's amazing that they figured out how to make a new monster and kind of play with the idea and hide it the whole time. And then it's when just, you saw it, was really close. Them. Yeah. It's
1: the same with Jaws, isn't it? I mean,
0: same. Exactly. Look, John look. Williams is his score is Jaws basically. Yeah. yeah.
1: Steven Spielberg was lying awake at night in a, in sheer panic because the, <laughs> the plastic shark was failing and not working all the time. And he's just like what was he 21 or some ridiculously young age? <laughs> Damn him. Um, and imagining that his whole career was going to end because this thing wasn't working. And yeah. So by pure accident uh, having to make do with what you've got the genius of, of it is is discovering that yeah that it's more scary when you don't see the shark
0: yeah absolutely is there a moment in your involvement in working on all these things that you've experienced like that i think it's a necessity as a mother of invention like so you've had moments where you're like i think you mentioned it earlier with you had the greebles and stuff the thing is with star wars and disney they have such a massive reach and pockets of res- resources that it's easy to kind of go like let's throw a 100 things on here but I think the irony is that with Star Wars and all these things, it's about the limitations and hiding the fact that you just glued that on like right before that take, you know, or you kind of hide this together from other things.
1: Um, we definitely had that. There was um, um, when Gareth first came, he wanted to do, uh, he wanted to do a camera test. Um, there was going to be some like um, the edu. the the scene where it's all raining and they're doing the Edo raid in the early version of the script. um, It was slightly different scenario, but it was the same kind of planet with the rain pouring down and these kind of soldiers were going in and they were going into a village and the villagers were telling them about the stormtroopers. And, um, and so he wanted to do this test because there was uh, a way that they were thinking that they might be able to do, um, the alien villagers. Um, so we we just wanted to do our best, you know, in that scenario, and and it was kind of thrown at us reasonably last minute, and um, and so we just did what we knew from knowing about Star Wars, you know, like when the the backpacks that the stormtroopers wear when they say uh, move along, move along they were thrown together quickly out of Tupperware and stuff. You know, those, but to us, they're like they're these icon, iconic, <laughs> amazingly designed backpacks, but yeah. they're literally just thrown together Tupperware boxes. So we did a similar thing. We had, we had some, we'd already been buying in loads of stock um, stuff from we head bags. And, and we, and I was running around the office looking for um, things that we could possibly use. And there was two different kinds of paper trays, and one of them worked really well on the back. It had like a like um, these circular holes on the back in the formation of a, like the five on the side of a dice, you know, with the one in the middle and the four in the outside. Mm-hmm. And it just, it worked really nicely on the back of the backpack. And then these other ones were working really well on a different style backpack up the side. And it was a case of we kind of strung it all together. We had um, a fishing rod, that we used as an aerial (laughs) and, 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 and when it all got sprayed black and was broken down a little bit, it was just like, that's perfect. That's the perfect Mm -hmm. thing. And it was just for the, for the camera test. But then Gareth liked them so much that we, we had to recreate one of them specifically. And that became like the rebel, one of the rebel backpacks and we had to make quite a few of them, but it was just that found object thing. It was like, that's completely what star Wars is. You know, Mm. and the buzz you get from running around the office looking for stuff. <laughs> and that's, that's all part of it. You know, it's that
0: it is, it's the energy. It's weird. Yeah. Right? It's, there's nothing kind of like it. Uh, and it's that weird kind of energy, uh, everything you're touching, everything and kind of just that feel. So when you see it on screen, it's, it's I think you said it perfectly and not to say anything bad about them. But it's just cause they're different. Say the Marvel films, like all their costumes feel very much costume they feel like the costume which is the point of it i think and that's like i said i don't want to make any offense or anything but star wars is very much the opposite realm where it should feel completely lived in and um, considered in that way which is uh it makes it cool i think for me it just makes it more relatable um at the end of the day i think when you're watching these things from a kurosawa film to a star wars film you're looking for things that you can reflect upon and feel some relation to. Um, and that's a real trick. And I think it's a really challenge, I think for most, uh, films and designers and directors in general. So it's finding something relatable. Um, but I
1: think that feeling that you took about that energy,
0: it it's, that is
1: the energy that, uh, kids have when they're playing. It's that kind of energy where you're lost. You're lost in the moment of, oh, we need a bag. It's like when I watch my kids play, and I remember that feeling of you—you're changing the script as you go along. You're talking, you're playing. You know, I just shot you. You know, that kind <laughs> of energy <laughs> that yes. you have, where you suddenly pick up something and that becomes a hand grenade or a bazooka. Um, and it was that kind of feeling. And a lot of the people who work in on those films and in this industry, when you're when when you're in the zone like that, that's exactly what it is. We're all just playing, and yes. it's like that's why it's such a a privilege to to be able to work in an industry like because it's um it's just fun those moments are fun and the kind of fun that you had when you were a kid
0: yeah and it's important to remember that i think that's it's something that is man it's really been difficult for me personally to constantly remember like hey like this is you're getting paid to do this like enjoy this i get so caught in my own head of being like this has got to be the best and i got to be serious about this and this and that and then then the art gets lost and then the child inside kind of goes away have you had moments where you fought that um yes um
1: definitely um the funny thing is is if you it's the constant reminder where I think I've had it enough times now that I've I've learned this. Now Mm. is that the the end goal is not the important thing. The process is the most important thing. Mm
0: -hmm. Because if you're not
1: if you're not enjoying the process, then what's the point? You know, I've been you know I've I've been lucky enough to be at premieres and for us to get invited to go to LA for a premiere. That's kind of a big deal. It's fun and glamorous, but that the buzz of that doesn't really last that long.
0: No, you know, it's very small.
1: It's, The very parties were always, you know, never what you'd imagine <laughs> that they would be like. And, you know, when I'm, I used to party a lot more when I was younger, but <laughs> so, um, you know, that kind of thing, it's like, you know, it's okay, well, that's that done. So it was, I now definitely know that you've got to be enjoying the process. And if you're not, then it's time to move on.
0: Yeah. I, that's awesome. I love that you said that. I think, um, right now I'm in the editing phase and it's like killing me cause we, we wrote this film and then we went and shot it and built up and costumes, and all that stuff. And now in the editing phase, it's so difficult because it's a different film and I have to kind of figure out a way of making it still what I want it to be. So it's like, Oh, <laughs> but we have these amazing uh, performances, amazing actors and that everything looks great. So I, we do have things, but for me right now, it's this process of, oh, crap, you know, like the, 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 you the have willingness to let go to of go. your idea of what it yes, was. Yes, yeah. exactly. I think um, people on their wedding day experience this conundrum. You know, it's like, I wanted it to be perfect and I wanted this <laughs> and that. But then I think as artists, we have this. Um, for me personally, and I'm sure I'm imagining probably show sure the same affinity is that we want these things to be a particular way. Um, and when they don't work that way, then the, the child and the, and the adult kind of fight inside, you know, and you're like, Oh, like <laughs> yeah. the child wants to play, but then the adult needs to get the compromise done and get it done on time and uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's good to hear that though, because, um. I think you're absolutely right. And if you're not enjoying the process and then what is it that, why are you even doing it? You know, so I could really tell, even though I can tell in the production from just as an outsider with, um, rogue one, I knew that there was some production production woes and stuff, um, naturally cause it's difficult to make star Wars films, obviously, but, um, it looked like a film that was, it was, it was an absolute joy, um, for the team to actually conjure and, and build and create. Cause there's so much love in it if you really take a moment to study it and like look at it, even just visually, it's, it has so many amazing uh, visual moments. It's really crazy.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, Gareth was always very good at, he always give little pep talks and speeches and, mm-hmm. and I always remember him and he said it more than once, but, but it was true. He's like, he would, he would remind everyone that to him, this is a really exciting process. And that he would be standing on set and he'd look around and he'd be like, wow, the sets look amazing, the costumes look great. You know, all, all these people here are doing all this stuff. And he'd say, I'd look down and, and there'd be some kind of like nut or a bolt that's onto something. And he'd realize that that had been designed as well, you know, to something <laughs> really, really small. Yeah, And he'd go, that even that has been, you know, designed. He can see that there's there's been a design process and it's true there's like you say everybody on there really you know loved working on that film yeah,
0: yeah you have to have that energy because it's not easy and it's such a challenging thing to pull these things out of the ether and and make them work i remember a story i think it was john f kennedy he was walking the space shuttle um area and they were showing him everything and then um there was a janitor like cleaning the floors um in an area and there was this conversation between the two of them and he was saying um something where that he got really inspired by the janitor because the janitor reminded him that everybody from the astronauts to the janitors were all working towards a common goal you know which Absolutely. is getting this person to the moon basically yeah. um, which is so cool and it's so beautiful and it's a it's a prime reminder of um just how important it is to have a team kind of camarader- camaraderie and the effort to go together and stuff and how difficult it is um, to kind of encapsulate it. I remember when we shot, when we were done shooting, I, we were all huddled together, very emotional moments that at sunset just done, died. And then there was a full moon out. It was so epic. And we were in this empty, open desert, um, dried out lake bed. So it was very alien. And it was just this massive experience. And I remember us all kind of confiding in one another and sharing this amazing moment and just taking it in and being like, it's, it's going to change from here, but let's just celebrate that we had experienced yeah. this because there's a million reasons why not to do these things, but there's only one to do it. And it's because you really love doing it and the process of it and the art of it, and the enjoyment of it too. So yeah. Yeah. So, it must've been really amazing working on these big production sets though. And seeing all the work I, I can imagine, is there, because um, I know you touch so many different things. Is there something that when you saw it in person really kind of shaped your mind or changed the way that you felt towards it in a positive way or a negative way? Uh, I don't know. I, uh... <laughs> I know it's a bloated question because it's hard for me to ask you questions almost, which is weird because... You have so many things that you've done, so it's like I'm trying to pinpoint on things and get a little bit further into it without, you know, what's your favorite color? Those kind of questions, you know, so <laughs> like unique uh, experiences in the, in the in the in the actual production of things.
1: Get uh, getting on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The weird thing was though, because before it was even. Um, we would be able to go around at lunch times. I, I always try and do a bit of a walk, just my kind of my minimal effort to keep fit. So I'd have lunch and then go on a walk
0: hmm,
1: with some with some you know other friends. And uh, in the process, especially on the Force Awakens, um, we'd just go and visit the sets and watch the sets slowly being built. And you know, you'd hear from someone say, well, oh, have you been to a stage?" G because so and you know being built. And I remember going on um, M stage at Pinewood uh, when the Millennium Falcon, it was just all wood. There was nothing else there, but the ramp was there and the shape, so the skeleton of it was there in wood. And going up the ramp and walking around that corridor to where the cockpit was, it was a proper little feeling in the tummy kind of emotional Mm -hmm. moment and I remember when um, Kevin Smith like uh, much later when it was finished and he he described how he'd walked up the ramp and he cried Mm
0: -hmm. and uh,
1: people were taking the mick a little bit out of him but I remember thinking if I'd have gone up there when it was finished then I I probably would have cried too it was just something at that again that early stage of uh, of the production where it was like, wow, this is going to be the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah.
0: Just and experience. the thing is, now I'm,
1: I'm a kind of, now I'm sadly, I'm kind of a cynical old, you know, uh, I've been on the Millennium Falcon far too many
0: times now. It's like, <laughs> it's kind of. <laughs> Get spooky. me out of here. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. It's, it's Isn't it that <laughs> ironic, though, the way that we're designed uh, as humans? Like, <laughs> The, yeah. uh, the irony of that and keeping yourself sharp with it I imagine surrounding yourself with other artists is there a couple people I mean I know you mentioned Sam is there a couple people that you love to have their energy around because I know for me personally like I, there's a certain energy that I love and feed off of when it comes to collaborators and that's the sense of humor obviously and ability to kind of bust each other's you know balls or whatever you want to yes. say I love that part is there a, a kind of a a group of people that you enjoy working with?
1: We had um, a very old friend of mine, uh, Adam Brockbank, who um, I used to work with way back when I first was working in the film industry, when we worked at the London studio Henson's, Jim Henson. Um, And I met him at the same time as Dermot Power and Rob Bliss. Uh, They're all kind of great friends of mine. Um, and when it came to, um, Star Wars, when it came to Rogue One, um, Dermot and Rob were on other films, but, um, I, I knew I wanted to get Adam on board. And so he's the other artist who's in the, in that art of book who's done, he was, his paintings are just so good. Um, and i can trust him i can do like a quick pencil sketch of something and tell him can you make that like a like if you look at the solo if you're in the solo a specific example i can think of is in the solo art of book um the minban warriors that were you hardly saw them in the film they had kind of very reptilian faces and they had kind of loads of um wicker and um uh um plant-based kind of camouflage on their back um, and i did him the most basic kind of you know one minute sketch of a on an a4 sheet of paper and said can you do them with all this kind of stuff coming off them and and if they kind of got a red jumpsuit and and like within two days he'd done the most amazing picture <laughs> the most amazing digital painting it was exactly kind of what i wanted and it, taking into account the little kind of the shapes that I did for the, for the, 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 um, the greblys on the chest and stuff. He knew he was on the same page and he knew what I wanted. Um, so So it worked really well together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's, and I have both of the books. I'm actually thumbing through the solo book right now. And yeah, there's, you could just tell there's just so much love in here. Um, and there's, there's just a lot of, uh, there's a, for me as a, as a fan of it, there's a lot of, okay, l- let's make something new and then let's also evolve the art too, um, with respect to the past, which is great too. Um, yeah. obviously employing different techniques because, well, digital has come so far, um, obviously, um, but it's still, um, a little different just in the exchange of energy that kind of takes on with, the traditional forms and digital. I think it's getting, obviously the gap is getting smaller every day, which is awesome. But, um, there, a lot of the art in both of these books feels like it has, it comes from such a a deep illustrative kind of world, which is awesome too. So yeah, it's super cool. Like, um, these are probably some of my favorite art books, Uh, an art book that changed my life personally was, um, I think it was the art book for Empire Strikes Back. Um, yeah. the art of the book yeah. that, that book really defined who I am today. Yeah. Um, and so these books now that I have them and I have all the art books, I think, um, I think so, except they're prequels. I don't know if I probably have all of them actually, but yeah, these ones are so cool. It's, it's a cool, it's like a, a Star Wars returns to a different, it's a new thing, but it's different, you know? So, yeah. um, did you get a chance to also work on the Mandalorian or is that, uh, no, um,
1: they um, all of our costumes from Rogue One got sent over there, though. So when I was watching some of the early episodes, I kept on seeing background characters kind of wearing hmm. stuff that we designed.
0: That's cool. Um, Smart yeah. of them. Um, yeah, because it saves. Um, I'm sure on production saves a lot on production. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Cool.
1: Uh, I didn't. I have. I only watched maybe the first five. Hmm. Uh, I haven't. I haven't watched the rest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watched like the first three and then, um, I kind of got a sense for what it was and then, um, yeah. But I, I mean, I really love Greg's cinematography. I really like yeah. him too. He's such a kind guy, such a sweet guy. Um, yeah. and it's just such a, the, the, the biggest killers I know are the most humble. <laughs> I love that. And he's, <laughs> he's a very humble guy considering his, uh, his breadth of skill and knowledge too, which is great. And, um, yeah, it's really cool that um, I know he's filming. He's the DOP on a film that we're both excited about coming out too. So, yeah, yeah looking forward to that. But yeah, no, it's 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 um there's so much there's so much stuff um to to consider with all this stuff, and especially kind of going into working on a film films like Star Wars too. Is there something because you worked with um, a couple different directors here in the Star Wars space? Is there something that you um look for when working with a director? Is there something that you really appreciate or things that um that you found worked really well on on set or production?
1: Um yes, it's good uh, it's good to see uh the different ways that uh, you know directors work. Um I I really liked um Gareth was good in as much as he would um he would push designs so in as much as he'd be pleased with something he'd come and say yeah I really like this but can you do like another another pass on it to see if you can like and then choose a direction to push it in and they say you know we might break it if we go that far but let's see what it's like if we go that far if we break it we will come back to this and he always kind of so in that sense he kind of knew what he wanted and it felt like we were on the same page a lot of the time, but he would always just push it that little bit further, which could be frustrating sometimes. But it sometimes it led to you know good results. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you want mostly is because of the pressures of normally of time and production, is you want someone who's de- who's decisive. Uh, yeah, and it helps. It helps if they know what they want. Um. Often the case with Phil and Chris was that they often wanted different things. <laughs> so you're caught so, in the middle between mom and so, dad. <laughs> yeah, it would be because you'd have you have a meeting, and then maybe a week or two weeks later, you'd have another meeting, and that's how it went. So you'd you might be lucky enough to get them for an hour, and in that time, you're having to go through everything that you've done in that time, and then and you're trying to get answers mm-hmm. on as much as you can so that you can spend the next week you know either making changes or things can go into production so if but if one director likes likes it one way and the other one likes it wants it to go the other direction <laughs> and then suddenly your time runs out you're just like oh, what are we going to do now
0: yeah, it's nuts. Because if we go
1: that if we go that way, he's not going to like it, and if we go that way, he's not going to. Like
0: it. It's really bad on the psyche for creatives. Yeah, it's horrible because yeah. all creatives want to do, for the most part, if they're really focused, they just want to fulfill and please their director, really. And exactly. if you don't give them a chance to do that, then you're failing your team because you're not giving your your team an ability to fulfill what it is that they're after too. So yeah, yeah that's a real difficult one, but that's cool to hear that about Gareth. It seems like he likes that approach too from what it looks like is let's give me your best and then let's push it a little further, okay, then let's go backwards and
1: uh, I mean he's very much a designer, mm-hmm. Gareth I mean he definitely has that about him. He's not just you know some other directors who work with they're not that way inclined you know they 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 trust you that something. It looks good that, uh, you know, they're not going to go into the details. Whereas Gareth knew what he knew to go into the details. Mm. You know, he knew what he wanted. Uh, it, he'd talk about certain, like the jawline of a, of a stormtrooper or something. You know, he would definitely be into all of that kind of thing. And I think he was the most out of all of them that were, that was that into the, the design of costume. Mm-hmm. The other That's guys were into it in different ways, but and not and not I don't think in as much detail.
0: I know JJ is more of a, a story based director as well, right? I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not sure if he's more or less in designer. He's kind of he's all about beats and getting scenes and having the scenes yeah. kind of blend together and. Uh, yeah necessarily nerding out sometimes i look at directors i go wow you'd be a really good production designer or like a a good concept artist almost you know but yeah because it's obviously with directing as i know it to be is it's all about managing people (laughs) that's really it is you're pushing a story and managing people um and you're you have your agendas to, to to make sure things have a feeling and a tone um which is obviously very difficult to do um but Sometimes directors, I feel like, oh, you're you're more or less a production designer because the story doesn't have any flow, but everything else feels amazing. So yeah. it's that yeah. weird kind of catch-22 kind of thing. But yeah, it's, that's cool to hear that. I, it sounds like you've obviously um, worked on these dream projects, I'm, and I know a lot of things that you probably can't discuss because the irony of working in films is that you can't talk about them until like four years because... Films usually take four, five years, sometimes a lifespan, sometimes two if you're lucky. Um, But is there, you've obviously publicly, we know that some of the films that you've uh, been a part of, is there a film or something in the future that you're looking forward to that you're excited for or another dream project that you would love to have your, your hands on something that you could see really kind of melding into through your mind and kind of creating something new? Um do you know what, if i'm honest i kind of i wouldn't mind
1: having a bit of a break from the <laughs> film industry yeah
0: that's a very good answer it's a heavy it's a i mean on the outside looking in we're all like oh my god i can't believe glenn has all these amazing opportunities blah blah but okay. to be actually to do it actually at the level that you're doing at this at the speed too and this rapidness it's yeah i imagine this is a good response from glenn. <laughs> you told me this because i get tired too so yeah
1: i oh, coming up to like uh, seven years.
0: Of, oh, going hard for so, seven years, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it feels like a lot of the things in my life have gone in seven-year cycles or roughly seven-year cycles, and, um, and I'm just really, I'm really drawn to wanting to, um, do my own thing again. Do, um, go into painting. I've got a little studio, a nice little painting studio that I. Uh, started renting at the end of um, at the end of uh, the Rise of Skywalker time, and um, I started on some nice big painting, and it was with no intention of of showing anyone or doing anything with it. I just wanted to have that freedom to do something different, mm. and um, and then not long into doing that, I get the call to do. Um, uh, the Batman, which <laughs> which is like you know, and it was just also at that time, the money was beginning to get a bit thin on the ground,
0: <laughs>
1: I'd got enough done of the painting, uh, but it still felt like uh, I, I, it was an opportunity that I couldn't really no. say no to, so um,
0: it, my, was just a, a, it was this a connection between people that were working on production because I know production yes. started out here then it went out to the uk um so this is so this is um word of mouth kind of stuff or was it yes. matt, matt was like i want to i want glenn give me glenn yeah. no i wish that was the case i think it was, <laughs> no, it was uh, get a director it was shout simon out
1: Eman- yeah. it was simon Emanuel who did who was um who worked on force awakens he worked on rogue what he produced rogue one and solo so we know him very well uh and he uh, I, th- I think we can say this, that Matt Reeves wants it to feel real. And Simon Emanuel knows that me and Dave, that's what we have. That's the kind of style we like. We're not the kind of costumey costume guys. So yeah. it felt like a good match. Um, I think so. <laughs> so by still even having worked and having done, having been working on the Batman now for a while, I'm now kind of itching to get back in my painting studio and try and just do something for you you do something yeah but for me but yes definitely for me and but to just maybe try and see what this world is all about i feel like i've got a a grasp on what the film world is about now and i really love that david bowie quote of um when you kind of when you're just a little bit out of your depth you can, you know, you can, your toes can maybe touch the ground, but you're swimming just a little bit out of your depth and a little bit uncomfortable. That's, that's the place where you should be aiming to be. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, you know, that's where I think I need to go again.
0: Yeah. Art, um, for people that aren't artists, they won't understand this, but for artists that, that are listening, I'm sure you know, this is, it's a real, um, it's an odd life to be an artist. It really is. To be a prolific artist is very odd and it's very, uh, it's like very emotionally shifting and bending and all over the place. It depends on how you take the ride, right? Because um, I know artists yeah. that are very complacent and they just kind of know their formula and they kind of rinse and repeat it and they're okay living in that cycle. At least that's what it seems like, which is cool. I am glad that there's people like that exist. But then there's people that don't and they're constantly shifting. Um, yeah,
1: I get a bit bored if I'm honest. If I don't, if I feel I've got the handle on something. Yeah then i feel like uh what am i doing here i need to be doing something else i need to be uncomfortable again in some way
0: chasing the dragon yeah never ending <laughs> yes. you're always yeah. chasing that dragon until the day yeah. we're done you know and that's that's i think that's that's the allure of art and and doing art and and uh and finding um these these moments these special moments where you're just kind of discovering it but man it is difficult though it is because yeah the david bowie line is so easy to hear and go yeah of course but then when you're literally oh i have bills to pay and i yeah (laughs) and then the batman's calling and all these things and you're like well you don't want to say no to these things you know (laughs) i'm
1: just i'm just hoping that this time i'll get a bit more done and then maybe before we run out of money that maybe something will come along you know i just you have to live in hope. It's just about re- redirecting the ship, you know, and hoping that something will come out of the come out of the woodwork, something will happen that will mean I can go off on a different adventure.
0: I'm sure it will. It seems like you put your heart in the right place and the right people align to that as well. So I'm wishing you the best of luck with that. There's another artist that comes to mind when it comes to going from both realms and Alberto Miogo's work. Have you seen his work before? I'm sure, right?
1: What's he done? Because uh, I'm not very good with names.
0: He's done, um, have you seen the Love, Death, and Robots? The one where the one oh, is yeah. being chased? and it's Oh, guy really did some Spider-Man stuff. Spider-Man stuff, yes, exactly. Yeah, cool. he's amazing. Incredible, yeah. yeah. But he's a big-time traditional painter as well, too, and his traditional paintings ah. are incredible. You should definitely check out some of his work because I think you'd like it and probably be some use for you as you um, get into you know that that next phase or as you're going back into having your time painting and stuff too. So Yeah. yeah oh great. Awesome. Thank you. Man, it's been uh it's a I, there's a million questions. Um, I don't want to bore you with all these Star Wars things. I really do <laughs> appreciate no, Thank your you. time. It's great to hear where you're at and where you're going. Um it's a privilege to have worked on the same film finally as you so that's the irony. I love that. So that's really great. It makes me really yeah, it, was great. it was
1: great to find that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the irony was great. Hey do you know what I saw your I saw um, one of your bikes today, and uh, you'll be pleased to know it sounds as good as it looks.
0: Oh, man, I can't wait. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. It made a
1: very good noise. A very good noise it made.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, and massive props to the entire team because it takes an army to produce these things, you know, and make them happen. So. And it's just amazing that they're made that all this craft work is made just simply for our um, entertainment, which is crazy. Yeah. It's really, really a weird <laughs> thing if you think about it. So um, but we're really blessed and privileged to to have this, yeah. this this part of our, our existence. The last thing I like to leave with these episodes is a lot of people that are listening to this are similar artists to ourselves and artists. We're always students to the game of life, basically um and it sounds like there's um you're in this transition phase if there's a piece of advice that you can give to maybe your past self or to somebody that might be starting out is there something that you can think of like this could have saved me some heartache or some time and i should have i would like to pass this knowledge forward is there something that comes to mind um
1: the advice i would when when you get asked that kind of question uh my advice is always uh with me it was the drawing with me it was um the best thing for me was that period of doing that 15 years of drawing where um my ego wasn't involved so because it wasn't the finished product and i think that was the best thing that was the best thing in my development as an artist was was um being free of the all the kind of uh Ideas of what I think I should have been doing. I was just getting on with it because it had to just be done quickly there on the spot. And if there's any way that, that, as a young artist, you can kind of recreate that kind of thing, whether it's drawing in a sketchbook every day, knowing that you're not going to show it to anyone, but just that whole idea, the whole idea of just repeating over and over again whatever it is you want to do, um, as often as possible. That that's you. The bottom line is that you're not going to get worse. You're only going to get better. Mm. Um and be patient, because I mean I remember because I was surrounding myself with <laughs> with people who are, be- are be- much better than me, much more accomplished than me. Uh I feel like now I've I've fallen into my uh com- more of a I'm more confident in, in my ability now. But for a long time I wasn't, and I feel like it's taken me a long time to get here. And that's, and that's almost why I, I seek out doing something to feel uncomfortable again, because the, the process of learning something new, or conquering something that's, that then becomes the, the best fun, you know.
0: Mm. So new just real estate,
1: yeah, new real estate, just, just um, be patient and enjoy the ride, because it's not, don't focus on oh, when I get there, it will be great. It's mm. like you're not there now, you're here now. So mm enjoy what you're doing now push yourself and just in, be present that's you know it's it's a life life lesson really isn't it not it just is. art it's just well a, art is life you
0: know if you're really yeah. doing it right yeah yeah that's beautiful yeah i think about that a lot too and i think about like directors like even like george lucas when he was making making thx 1138 it looks like he was really just kind of being an artist himself and then this whole Star Wars kind of enveloped him, and I look at guys like Gareth as well, and I wonder in my mind. I go, man, they they have these these ability, these resources, these connections. Now I'm very curious as to what they would do next. I would, I almost would love to meet George and be like, let's go and make another THX. Just just go have fun. Let's go make yeah. art again. Like change your you, could, you use an alias. Let's just go have fun. You know, like
1: well, I I don't know how true the rumor is, but I heard the rumor is that he does do that. He makes films. And he, and he just shows them to his friends
0: that's so cool
1: <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure how true that is but that's what i've heard that's cool as he should I because great. i know he loves yeah. it so
0: yeah yeah and why I think, not if i if i had his money that's what I would do. <laughs> totally i mean it's 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 a curse as well you know it's like you have yeah. these expectations and this this weight on your shoulders which is um it's just not healthy it's most likely just crippling because of (laughs) how intense all that must be. But no, that's beautiful. I love that advice and it's something that I'm definitely going to listen to. And I'm hoping that everybody that's listening to this as well will appreciate and enjoy as well too. So yeah, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know it's late there for you. So I I do appreciate it. I'm a massive fan of your work and you've been a big influence on me and my entire team on our project and then this in general. So and it's awesome to t- that turns out you're very kind and nice as well. So that always is a bonus. So Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Thanks, Ash. It's been really um, great
1: looking at all your stuff as well and getting to know you. So it's been a, a, a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words. Have an amazing night. And um, yeah, thank you again so much. Oh, wow. not that crazy? Amazing. So cool. Such a sweet, awesome person and such a wicked talent and uh hopefully you got a lot of inspiration and some great things um as well as i did and that was just for me it was just such a great episode and it's great to show and see and hear that years of hard work and dedication and focus to your craft can yield some really incredible experiences if you're willing to let it so amazing thank you so much glenn for coming on the show you can find notes for the show, show for this week's episode at the slash 225 along with links to our Facebook, Twitter and iTunes podcast page you know the drill everybody go out there be powerful pro- be prolific peace out everybody